anyway yeah. we need to we need to yeah, we need switch to gears because uh, this isn't gonna make for a very interesting show really <laughs> two boring men chatting it would be this podcast oh stuff that no one knows about tune in i think we've taken too long and i need my customary we now okay so i'll run and get that and i'll be yes, back in just get that sec. out of your system okay. blup, 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 blup. oh he's pooing already leaving little brown lumps on the carpet as he makes his way to the bathroom nicholas Papconstantinou there going to the bathroom he has a need to urinate to pass fluids from his bladder through to the sewerage system it is for his comfort and it is for his well-being for the waste products cannot remain within his system it will bring him much relief and he will return to his room of recording in a better frame of mind more focused and ready to deliver interesting words from his mouth to the microphone for show 22 of unanswered which will be coming up shortly after this short piss break The toilet has flushed, the urine now passing through to pipes underground. Nick now returning to the recording room, feeling refreshed and a bit sniffy. Unanswered. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Who's starting? All right. I'm going to have a go at starting. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I've just taken all my clothes off. <laughs> Dangling around. Do, 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 do. In the comfort of my own home. <laughs> it's a bit cold. Um, <laughs> when is it okay to be naked? This has been on our list of ideas, I think, ever since the beginning. Uh, it was one of the first things that occurred to me as uh, as a thing to talk about. I don't know where it came from. It was just an idea. We were whimsical back then. We were. We were like, what's it like to have a finger? <laughs> Not in the rude sense. Uh, yeah, so, you know, sometimes when we start the show, it's like, hmm, let's have a five-minute introduction about why we've thought this way. This is really simple. Here is a question. Let's try and work our way around it. So, um this is about being naked this is about nudity as a concept this is about i guess not wearing any clothes and where that might be okay and where that might not be okay as a way of starting i guess uh one of the things one of the habits a bad habit maybe that we have um at the beginning of a lot of these discussions is talking about being a kid and of course when we are born we are born with no clothes on we don't come out wearing shorts not like in that um episode of uh, was it brass eye or uh, <laughs> the day-to-day -day? uh probably brass eye actually you know where they were born already wearing shorts to cover their decency we appeared out of a nude person in a room full of people we didn't know. And of course, mm. there wasn't anybody telling us that that was wrong. And I guess perhaps the context was right. Thinking about it now, I guess I don't really care. <laughs> you don't really care about which part, which part, that you were in a room with strangers or that you were born naked or... Any of it. <laughs> but it would have only been two or three years later, you know, where perhaps um, there's always the customary photograph that the parent will take of you in the bath naked, uh, perhaps even with a sibling also naked because you know who wears clothes in the bath, uh, except for uh, very drunk people. Yeah, um, been there. So and, and then all of a sudden that's embarrassing. Uh, especially mm -hmm. when you're kind of like in your late teens and it's uh, everyone gathering around the photo album time. Oh, this turned into a long introduction. Anyway, no clothes, <laughs> Nick. The thing that I, I was struck by when we decided to talk about this, because uh, uh, I, th I think it's a, it's a deliberate attempt to get away from the sorts of uh, episodes that will get us put on watch lists. <laughs> uh, so I don't know why we picked nudity. One of the interesting things about looking at some of the subjects that you sent to me because you sent a list uh, to me uh, earlier today is I don't understand what I was getting at with some of the things I suggested 
because actually a lot's changed since we started doing this show. But what's interesting is a lot of these just look like hieroglyphics to me. One of the things was non-sexual cheat list. And you asked me about that uh, as a possible subject, and I looked at it and thought, now I know I wrote that, and it meant something to me when I did, but I've no idea what it means. One of the major things that changed for me, and I won't go on too much about it because it is kind of the subject of another podcast, which would probably be boring to recap here, though, is that I now have a son and I was present at a birth. It's interesting because you're right. We start out having absolutely no trouble about this stuff and we kind of, our inhibitions are things we adopt and kind of accumulate over time, really. I don't know how it happens because it's very difficult to put your mind in the head of a, a, a little kid to quite that extent. But there's obviously a point at which you stop having baths with your parents there. And I think in most cases, in most most healthy families, the parents stop seeing the child naked at a point when the child decides. It's like at the at the point where a child is old enough to say, oh, I don't, I, you know, I can go in there by myself, I'm fine. That's, you know, I don't need you there when I go to the toilet and stuff like that. That's the point at which they tend to be left to it. So you kind of almost decide for yourself. Society's putting a lot of it on you, but you kind of decide for yourself, I'm getting bigger now. I don't need my parents to be around and it's a bit weird them being around. And that's when the decision gets made, I think. The other thing you kind of hit on, though, is by the time we get to the point where we're having children of our own, we do have all of these inhibitions. We don't tend to go around naked, uh, except in very specific circumstances, uh, and normally only around people that we're kind of supposed to be naked around. There was a, an implied uh, quotation marks around my supposed to then, by the way. And yet, then when you actually have a baby, the woman, not the man, the man gets to keep all of his clothes on, the woman isn't allowed any inhibitions anymore. It's not even one of those situations where the world is horrible to women because they're women and that's how it's always been. They literally don't have any choice. The biology doesn't allow for it. So um, we were in this very weird situation where my wife is even more private and shy about nudity than I am. And she was having to be uh, naked from the waist down for literally hours while complete strangers walked in and out doing stuff around her, and it's like it's nothing. You just don't even think about it. This isn't a new observation. Everyone, or almost everyone who's had a baby will kind of tell you that this is the, this is the case. Yeah, but it is, of kind of, it is kind of weird, because everything that we learn about nudity, all of the sexualization of it, and all of the taboo-ness of it, just completely evaporates in that situation. It's almost like it's the point at which you feel the most responsible and the most adult, and at the same time, almost everything, almost all of those weird little hang-ups you carry around just kind of evaporate because you're not even thinking about it. There's something more intense going on. I'm yeah. not going to say more important, but it's more intense, and you just forget, oh, wait a minute. It's purposeful, like, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like complete strangers looking at my ass. Um that sounds like I was just making a statement on my own behalf. Well, <laughs> I was, you, I was yeah, I don't know how appropriate it is, to be honest. I mean, your wife's there having <laughs> a baby and you're prancing around, pulling your pants down, going, check it out. Probably doing a little wiggle, maybe even twerking. There was a point where we were maybe going to have a water birth. And I think there's, we, we went to this uh, thing at the NHS and there were loads of different couples there. And we watched a video of a water birth. It was a, a video that was filmed in the 1970s or 80s, I think, and wasn't very well edited. The sound mixing on it was awful. That's besides the point. And there was a Muslim couple there. Mm-hmm. And the woman was heavily pregnant and she was very, and, and she was in the full headdress and everything. Um, not a full burqa, but in the full headdress. And she was watching and she seemed, she seemed very interested because it's obviously something she was considering. And I felt awful for her partner because I don't think uh, maybe, maybe they, he hadn't, you know, cause men, we kind of go along to these things and we don't really think twice about it. We, we book the time out, but then we don't really think that much about it. So maybe he hadn't even considered there'd be a video or maybe he hadn't been adequately prepared for it. But of course, his entire religion and his entire belief system 
one of the most important things is he's not supposed to look at an, another another woman naked. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the minutiae of it is, but he wasn't supposed to be seeing that. And I know that there's a, a, an intolerance to the way we handle that because we see a lot of the rules in Islam as being quite misogynistic around, well, you know, misogynistic around women. That's a bit of a dumb way of putting that. But I, I kind of feel very much like for many of the people who... Um, are part of that religion that's about respect more than anything else and he looked very uncomfortable because he kind of he was there maybe it was unusual that he was there anyway he knew that he was kind of supposed to be getting involved or engaged in what was going on but obviously he couldn't watch this video and he just sat there squirming and a lot of people might say oh well there's his problem you know but it's kind of central to who he believes he is that he's mm. not supposed to see that stuff um and so that was weird but there was also this this bit later on where it came up that if you were having a water birth the man could go in the pool as well but the uh, midwives who were there, they sort of said, but if the if the men could please wear swimming trunks because there's no need for the, the uh, we don't all need to be exposed to that or something. She made some coy joke about it. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's funny, isn't it? it yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so all of this other stuff's going on. The woman is literally, she's not only going to be naked, but she's also going to be completely spread-eagled and exposed. And But the man has to wear his swimming trunks because nobody <laughs> needs to see that. <laughs> Which I just thought was was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the the labor and the birthing process for a woman is basically the most animal thing that's probably going to happen. It's not a particularly clean and tidy process like you would see in a soap opera where they're a bit pushed for time. The, there are things which happen, which you know midwives are used to, and all of the other medical staff are used to, and and uh, the, the the parents to be are obviously they've been warned about it. One would hope it's not a total surprise, but even still, you have to handle it. Yeah, you have to handle extra fluids and things popping out that you don't expect, <laughs> and tearing and all sorts of crazy stuff. It's so raw but it's an environment in which no one even really gives it a second thought. Because like you said, it's like, it's a very purposeful moment. You're not there thinking there are a whole bunch of strangers looking at my wife's bits because you're concerned for the delivery of your baby and the well-being of your wife. So yeah. it doesn't even enter your mind in plenty of other circumstances. You would be understandably distressed if something like that was going on. The other thing, and I promise we'll get off the whole we'll, we'll get off the whole parenting thing in a second, is because we had to go back into hospital a, a little bit afterwards, uh, and Amy had to go back to the hospital with Noah for because um, he had jaundice. So while she was there, because it was very soon after he was born, there was the whole breastfeeding thing. When we started doing this podcast, this isn't something I'd even have considered, but it is pertinent to our conversation. It didn't It didn't end up being something that came up a lot for us. But, of course, while Amy was in the hospital, there were lots of people coming around. Basically, she was completely... She wasn't allowed any dignity and she didn't think twice about it, even afterwards when everything had calmed down. Once we started talking about the simple thing of food, sustenance for the baby... Suddenly she had midwives coming round, poking and prodding her and having their hands on her and stuff like that then as well. Breastfeeding's a really interesting thing in terms of there's this ongoing debate going on and it seems to have reached a bit of a fever pitch recently, but maybe that's just because I'm more tuned into it recently, about people breastfeeding in public and whether, whether or not that's okay. And that's this weird situation where for the person who's doing it, and some people are real martyrs to it, I'm not going to lie, some mothers and parents are real martyrs to, well, you know, my baby has to be fed, so I'm just going to stand in the middle of this path and do it and expose myself completely to everyone. Um, but it's to the person who's doing it most of the time, it's a completely functional thing, and they do it with as little fuss as possible, and they will usually do it as covered up as possible because they don't want everyone to see their boob either. No, of course not. It's kind of where all of the issues we're maybe going to be talking about today kind of collide because even if they were exposed it's not that much of them it's a bit of a woman that has a higher nudity value to it a naked breast is worth more on the scale of nudity than a naked uh, shoulder mm -hmm. i think that's fair to say isn't it yeah the only thing that a man really has uh, approaching the same value as a naked breast is probably a naked buttock 
a lot of people will suggest that a testicle is worth a breast in the uh, public nudity economy, but I don't think that's actually true. I think those people really need to get over their own testicles in most cases, because really it's a buttock, I think. And then you move on to primary genitalia. Uh, that uh, Maybe a lady bearing her vagina is roughly equivalent to a man bearing his penis. But it is weird, because a lot of society still seems to be quite prudish about breastfeeding. But at the same time, even if you're not prudish you still don't know quite where to look a lot of the time. Certainly if you're me. I have been around a lot of breastfeeding mums in the last uh, few months, and I've never quite got used to what you're supposed to do. I assume you're supposed to make eye contact. (laughs) With the baby from behind the mum doing a (laughs) thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, go for it! Um... No, I, I assume you're supposed to make eye contact, but I don't make a lot of eye contact normally anyway, and that makes me feel kind of a little bit uncomfortable. The first thing that happens is you go, oh, what's happening over there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is a mum holding a bed? Oh! And by this point, you've looked too long for it to feel comfortable anyway, because first of all, you've looked. Like you'd look at anybody. You know, you enter a room, you're moving around, you just look around because that's what you do. And you go, that's not a normal situation. What's happening? By this time, enough time has passed for you to start feeling uncomfortable about looking in the first place. Then you go, oh, it's breastfeeding. And then you're like, oh, I better not look. Mm. There are various things at play there, you know. Obviously, you don't want to be thought of as a weirdo or a pervert or whatever. But um, it's obviously natural to register what's happening around you the instinct is to look away you don't want the glance to be taken in the wrong way but also you think well you know i respect their privacy but then of course there are some people who will feel awkward in a different way because they take offense to that Mm -hmm. Um, they may continue to look they may even stare a hole through the person you don't know it creates a a kind of discomfort whether you approve of it or not because it's down Mm -hmm. to you to handle that it's strange because it's an entirely natural and functional thing. This is what breasts were made for. Um, and I don't see any reason why we should hide that at all, if, you know, if that makes sense. It's not a public display of nudity. They're not an exhibitionist. They're not flaunting themselves or anything. It's just like, I've got my baby here and it's hungry, so we've got to deal with this right now. But it's like you say, it's an ongoing debate happening in the background. No one's ever really decided to tell us what we should think about it. <laughs> really. mm, no, you didn't um, know that early on. But I kind of think that it's nice that it happens out in the open. Oh, yeah, because it, fe- it feels like a very private thing that happens in a very public place. And that's where the, aside from all the prudishness about it, that's where the real confusion and clash comes from it. it doesn't, it's only a private thing because we've made it a private thing over time mm. i think and really in itself it's not it doesn't it doesn't have to be it's just feeding it's not a big deal i think you've actually got pretty good attitude to it you acknowledge that it's we acknowledge that it's uncomfortable it can be a little bit uncomfortable for us but it's a social awkwardness it's not a big deal i feel as socially awkward about that as i do about talking to an exceptionally pretty girl or an exceptionally odd person it actually comes somewhere below in the scale of social discomfort for me. Uh, men who just have no shirt on inexplicably in the middle of town, not in yeah. a park or anything, which I know we've talked about. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but we've definitely talked about it before. No, it's, it's, it, it was on... Um... Oh, I can't remember, but we have, we have actually brought it oh, up before. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes well below that, on that scale. But the thing that I think sometimes happens which in true kind of me on unanswered style I'm coming I'm I'm landing straight in the middle of this I think and saying well it's not really a big deal it's not really any any of anyone's business on the other hand it is happening in public so if you want to be a member of society you, you should at least consider people's feelings so you shouldn't have to hide away like some sort of leper while you're breastfeeding if people aren't glaring at you but they seem uncomfortable you probably shouldn't shout at them <laughs> Shout at them, taking the baby off your breast and saying, um, look, it's just a tit. It doesn't mean anything. God gave me it or nature gave me it. It's perfectly natural, etc. I'm not saying people do that. I don't think people have ever done that. That is me being absurdist. Except that sometimes when people talk about this stuff or when the debate comes up, they do have a tendency to swing completely to that extreme. 
I don't think it's just the male gaze that enters into this and makes it all crazy because I do think uh, I don't think it's just a male thing to sexualize breasts and to make them a private thing. You know, it, it isn't just because men like to look at them that women either put them on display or hide them. It's all very confused in gender politics and and stuff like that. But I think they operate two different spaces at the same time. They are both a perfectly normal part of the human body and they are also uh, linked inextricably to allure or sexual identity and all of that stuff as well. People might, like you've said already, well, what if a guy gets his nuts out? Well, (laughs) um, there's very little purpose to testicles except for uh, an explicit sexual use. And so its exposure would be considered entirely sexual. Uh, Well, the breasts kind of have this dual purpose. And like you say, before a, a woman becomes a mother, they're just there ready uh, mm. They're there to attract a mate more than anything. And then the baby comes along and it creates a very unique confusion, I guess, in terms of what that part of the body's for and how a society accepts its appearance, I guess, unexpected yeah. more often than not. I don't know how we swing. <laughs> you know, I have to be really careful using the word swing <laughs> in, in the context of this. How, how do you feel about nudity? If I don't have to look at myself, I'm never as comfortable as when I'm naked if I'm on my own and I don't have to worry about anyone seeing me. Mm. Do you wear clothes when there's no one around? Usually, yeah. Is that for health warmth, and safety reason? Health and yeah. safety. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need to conduct a risk assessment before I get dressed every morning. Um, mm-hmm. How do I feel about it? There's all the personal body image stuff, which is a completely different rat hole to go down, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend to look at it as... a mainly functional if i'm not wearing any clothes it's probably because i'm getting changed or i'm having a shower or something like that you know there aren't many other contexts where it's just me by myself where that would happen really although you know in my teenage years i would have done a lot of self-entertaining yeah in your teenage years yeah that's where i think the highest concentration of uh, self-entertaining activity would have taken place but (laughs) There are, I mean, there are limited contexts. I, I, I am not, I'm not a person who is particularly interested in the peacocking that we've discussed in a previous episode. The topless man thing. Yeah, I'm not a guy, I, I mean, and I don't even think that if I had a more men's fitness cover style body, even then I would want to just walk around with my shirt off because it's arrogant and i okay that's for other people to decide i don't think that i have that level of arrogance where i would whip my shirt off when it's 15 or 16 degrees and that sun comes out for five minutes unlike a lot of people that you see around it's just Mm -hmm. not my bag but anyway it's the context that's key so i will feel more comfortable in fewer clothes if the context is correct so uh you know you're away on holiday you're on a beach okay that's perfectly fine uh, you're probably going to have a dip in the sea or you want to catch some sun that makes sense and everybody around you is doing the same thing so mm-hmm. it's pretty clear uh, swimming actually is is a good one in terms of uh changing rooms that sort of thing oh yeah see that's almost sort of linked to breastfeeding if mm-hmm. you can see that tenuous link in the respect that in a changing room each individual person has their own level of acceptable nudity if that makes sense there are some yeah. people who are entirely comfortable to just have it all out while they're getting changed drying themselves off having a shower what have you i've generally been in the camp of wrapping a towel around myself and, I, and i'll take the the swimming shorts off and put my underwear on underneath the towel because that's how I feel most comfortable, even if there are people around me quite happily letting it all air dry. Mm-hmm. It's just something you have to accept. It's not uncomfortable. You just accept it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, while I'm maybe picking up my shoes up from the floor, I'm only three feet away from a cock at eye level. Yeah. And you kind of know it's there and it's in your peripheral vision. I don't want to look. I know it's there. I don't want to look. I don't want to seem more interested in what other people are doing than is normal i think there are (laughs) there are certain contexts where as a man you accept a cock is just going to happen usually (laughs) pornography yeah pornography is very cock centric well yes but i think outside of perhaps that context we're in a privileged position in that most of the male body isn't considered offensive 
it is possible for almost the entirety of a man to be exposed and it not be deemed unsuitable or offensive. Oftentimes it's a, it's used for humour, like the mm-hmm. whole Monty Python thing, you know, playing the piano with just a tie around the oh, neck yeah. and with a bum out, you know, that, that seems to be okay. Whereas obviously that can be sexualized, of course, but it's it's much easier for the female form to be even partially exposed and that only be seen as sexualized. Uh, I think you, I mean you've you've nailed something there completely. I, and I sh- I share your discomfort in communal showers, but then I'm kind of not that comfortable in communal toilets either. I don't like urinals. I've got an issue of urinals. It may be an insecurity thing, but I think it's as much as anything just a sort of an uncertainty. I don't really understand how you're supposed to act in those sort of situations. Especially the trough-style urinals. You know, the individual ones on the wall, at least you know this is yours and there is some designated empty space between you. But when there's one of those trough-style urinals, that's quite an uncomfortable situation because there's always room for someone else to barge in and it's like, oh, Christ. That's the whole thing about, you know, you having to trust that a whole bunch of other men aren't going to piss on your shoes. Yeah, and I don't trust myself not to do that, to be honest. So, <laughs> Penises um, the, can be quite unpredictable in those yeah, situations. they really you can. Know. Yeah. Um, the thing about the swimming pool changing Ladies. rooms... <laughs> the thing about the swimming <laughs> pool changing rooms is it's, it strikes me that it's, it's nearly always older guys who just don't care. Hmm. And maybe that's an age thing. I've, it's been suggested to me that it's similar in women's changing rooms as well. It does come back to the breastfeeding thing in some ways. Uh, it's not a necessary evil. The human body isn't a necessary evil. But as you've said already, it's fun- in these circumstances, it's functional. And as I know I've said so many times before, I believe that being in a society is kind of a trade-off. That if you're going to be out in public with people or in a communal changing room or in a coffee shop or something like that, you should be allowed to live relatively freely to the extent that you need to. But... You have to be aware that you are sharing this space with other people. And as long as they're not dicks about it, you shouldn't go out of your way to be too too ostentatious. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, I've got this issue of ostentatiousness, so that's why I don't like really pretentious people. That's why, this <laughs> says the guy who's on three podcasts, um, that's why I didn't understand cosplay for a really, really long time. And actually, cosplay in terms of nudity or at least uh, like uh, skimpiness and how confusing that is for a lot of people it is probably a whole episode in itself as far as that goes. And topless men, you're right, it's difficult because it feels like they're not just topless because that's just how they're most comfortable. It, it feels like there's a a deliberate imposing of themselves. They're taking up more space than the other people around them who are occupying the same amount of physical space. They're taking up more attention space than the people around them who who are taking up the same... I kind of feel like we're all supposed to take up as much attention space as we occupy physically. <laughs> on the other hand, where do we stand on... In Southampton, this is particularly pertinent, there is an old man who wanders around Southampton naked. Well, not just Southampton. I mean, are you talking about the naked rambler? Yeah, he's based in Southampton, though, isn't he, I think? Or he Eastly, went to court around in Eastly, Southampton. I think. Yeah. He'll be taken to court across the country. Oh, you know more about this than I do. Well, he's done a lot of walking. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of walking. He very much believes that it should be totally acceptable to be naked in public. And he likes to go on incredibly long walks, rambling, wearing uh, not much except um, a suitable pair of walking shoes and a backpack. Perhaps if only he covered himself with a fig leaf, people would take less offence. It's all about having the cock out, essentially, isn't it? Uh, where, do I, where do I stand on that? I mean, every time I've read an interview with him, I think he has great conviction. I can understand his motivation, and I can understand why he would do what he does. And that perhaps in an ideal world, it wouldn't be a problem. As much as I would love to just go, good on him, I can't. Because, first of all, there are laws, and it's part of our social contract to obey them. And he is flouting them. And he knows he's flouting them. And it's not okay 
to challenge a law by flouting it, really. You might be able to challenge a law by proving there are flaws. That will be a very specific set of circumstances. By actually breaking a law to challenge its loopholes or whatever is a risk because perhaps your argument isn't strong enough and you'll be convicted of, of breaking that law. I mean, there isn't necessarily anything that says you cannot be naked, mm-hmm. but there are public decency things that have to be taken into consideration. And while there isn't a specific law about having your cock out in public, um, you are, there are other civil offences at the very least taking place. Um, and part of the reason, obviously, why he continues to be arrested and um, having judgments placed against him is that there isn't actually a great deal in the law that's going to be able to stop him from doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. unless a council, a town council, puts a restraining order out, you know, you could, I suppose you could literally ban him from places. Mm-hmm. But then you're dealing with, you know, his personal freedoms and all sorts of stuff. It's just a very messy, murky area. Yeah. He has a right to protest. He certainly has a right to challenge. But it's him versus an awful lot of people. And I'm not saying that that means that his point is rendered invalid. But I think you need to be a little bit more respectful of the fabric of human life that is around you. You are going to come across people whose, as was already discussed, whose religious beliefs are offended. Or it's an incredibly sensitive area, for example, if children see it. And it's not like a child cannot see a naked body. We all go through sex education. At some point, it is appropriate and contextually right to do so. But of course, when, you know, when you're out in public, as this guy is, you sort of expect to see certain things and not see other things. And again, you know, I, I get where he's coming from. And I support the, the idea that it should not be in an ideal world a problem. But of course, we're not there. And... Um, who knows if we'll ever get there, really. Certainly not in his lifetime. It feels like there are probably places where he could go and ramble freely, nakedly, and maybe pick up the odd fine. But he, he's he got two different sorts of freedom. On the one hand, he's there are, there are places where he could be naked and he's free to go there. And on the other hand, he's free to walk around uh, town centres freely or or walk anywhere he wants really that isn't private property freely but he doesn't get to exercise both of those freedoms at the same time necessarily Mm. he doesn't get to be naked and go wherever he wants that's just kind of the way it is and it is the social contract you're right and it's a it's an almost trivial set of laws it almost seems a little bit is the word prurient it suggests that everything's seedy and sexual except that it's one of those little laws that's in place to protect us from abuses like basically if everyone could walk around naked it would be even harder than it already is to identify occasions of abuse or of flashing there are definitely you know people definitely get flashed do you remember because this is in our lifetimes you remember there was a there was a point where flashing was a comedy trope oh no absolutely you know the guy in the brown mac flashing people and that would be used for humor often subverted they weren't Mm. actually naked something was happening maybe it was just a sign that said boo or something like that but a part of the sort of the murky sexual humor that was a slightly misogynist as well really i think uh humor kicking around in this in the 70s now that used to you know benny hill and stuff like that used to be around and and now we'd look upon that and <laughs> and and we'd be uh hand-wringing over all of the sexual offenses that mm. that contained and the uh, the emotional damage that would be doing to the victim and all sorts of stuff and that sounded really flippant the way i brought no, that no, up i but... think well i think the pro- i think the problem is it kind of because we or many of us are more socially conscious than used to be the case mm. i guess it's ended up being discuss- the, the 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 thing the thing the thingy swings the dial swings completely in the opposite direction. Not the penis. Not the penis. On the one mm. hand, you've got the people who still think it's harmless, and on the other, you've got people who think that it's one stage down from a sexual assault. Well, it's actually classed as sexual assault. I think it is. Yeah, I think on the, on the one hand, 
there's an innate misogyny to the Benny Hill model. Well, how couldn't he ogle these women? That's basically what they're there for. But I think at the same time, culturally at the time, it wasn't that we thought that that person was somehow okay. Culturally, people didn't seem to be scared of those people because there was an understanding that they were pathetic. It wasn't something that someone scary did. It was something that someone ridiculous did. One other thing I wanted to mention while I remember is the only time I ever went to a gym, uh, went to a gym regularly, but it was this gym that was down the road from where I used to work. It had been an all-female gym, but they had uh, been taken over or something, and they they became a unisex gym, but they kept a lot of the same comfortable behaviours and stuff in place from when it was an all-female gym. So one of the things was there were no mirrors anywhere. But another thing was, if a guy came in and took his tiny little, you know, muscly guy came in, took his tiny little vest top off so that he was just, like, topless while working out... The staff would ask him to put clothes back on. There was there was a rule that you weren't supposed to do that. Mm. And um, that seems pertinent to our conversation because it completely changed the atmosphere in that place from any of the other gyms I've ever been into. We, we can talk as much as we want about how the human body is just this natural thing and, and it shouldn't matter if someone's not wearing clothes or they're wearing clothes or whatever. But um, that peacocking thing, it's definitely something that happens everyone who's naked or topless or whatever might not be doing it but an awful lot of the people who do are and i think a gym like that obviously invests a lot of energy in making it a comfortable environment for people who would not usually go to a gym i think it's a big deal for a lot of people they're keen to improve their health and it's a big deal to make that jump to go to any public space, really, because there's a vulnerability there. You're like, oh, I'm not as good as I'd like to be or I'm not as good as the people around me. But if everyone's sort of sensibly dressed and just getting on with their own thing, you can feel sort of com- more comfortable there to get on with your own thing, too. And then some grunting muscle head comes in and tries to, like you say, kind of take up um, a larger physical space than he actually inhabits. And that mm. does have a knock-on effect to some of the customers that you would like to hang on to. This guy can go anywhere and, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. There's potential for it to make women who are there uncomfortable. Well, I'd say males um, as well. So but, but definitely the males. For me, mm. it was definitely because that's real alpha behaviour. And I've been in gyms where it is, the place is clearly dominated by groups of men comparing how much more physically awesome they are than each other. It it is unsettling. When we were talking about using urinals and when we were talking about men being naked around other men and the discomfort there, one thing that I, I don't feel, one subtext that I don't think we had any danger of suggesting because i don't think it's how either of us feel but i know it's definitely something that normally comes up when you're talking about men's changing rooms and stuff like that is um the idea that other men are looking at you in an attracted way which used to be when we were kids going to the urinal there was always that he just looked at you he's looking at your cock he obviously wants it sort of thing going on um, it's definitely not where my discomfort comes from. My discomfort is definitely all personal. I don't like going to the toilet out in front of people. It seems weird. It seems like a step backwards evolutionarily, to be honest. I like a sit-down, if I can possibly have one. Women don't have to wee in front of each other. Um, I don't see why we have to. We don't have unisex changing rooms. And the reason we don't have unisex changing rooms, I think the main reason we don't have unisex changing rooms, is that it's problematic for women for the most part, having men in the same space as them when everyone's getting naked. Because the truth is, the male gaze would be in effect there. Men would be looking at it. It wouldn't be a neutral space. Do you know what I mean? It's a vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, if I was in a changing room and there was someone in there, male or female, checking out people in there, I'd just be worried that they'd measure me badly against the other people. That's why I don't like being naked in changing rooms this sounds like i'm talking about my penis and i'm not talking about my penis i'm just saying generally i'm a short guy i'm kind of chubby i'm a bit hairy i don't like being around other naked men because it just takes me right back to the school changing rooms i think that might be where a lot of this insecurity comes from actually in a lot of this weirdness 
It's possible that there is some residual anxiety from mm. a point in our life where we were very much aware that our bodies were going through a process. They were changing. Some people were changing quicker than others. And that it was also at a key time where emotionally we were going through an awful lot. So there's a whole bunch of things happening in there that actually don't... Yeah, in, so, in social circumstances, there are still those things that happen, work and things like that. But in a changing room, it becomes an entirely neutral environment because, of course, you know, at school, you're spending the entire day with all of these people. In a changing mm -hmm. room these days, most of the people in there you won't know. Yeah, um, that's true. And so there isn't the same risk. I think it's possible for there to be a, a memory or a ghost that might play into it that might make you feel more vulnerable than ordinarily you would. Yeah, I think physical education or games or whatever you want to call it, it's a, a bit of a crucible or a, it's a trial by fire that you go through every single week through your mm. entire school life. Because it isn't just the changing rooms, there's... And there was a point early in school life, first maybe four or five years, where all the kids would get changed, male and female, in the same classroom. God, I don't even remember that far back. Yeah. And I distinctly remember, like, maybe the first or second year of first school, I had 18 briefs. Yeah, so that's <laughs> really? a really specific memory about my A-team briefs. A-team as in the TV show? As in the A-team, not um, A-team briefs, one on top of the other, just to make sure that <laughs> no one was going to see my penis. But yeah, I mean, there, there were several years at the beginning where the entire class would get changed into their PE kit. It wasn't until secondary school, actually that there were gender-specific changing rooms. Obviously, by that point, it makes sense to. Yeah, I really, I just don't really remember that part of my life at all. It's really weird. But um, the changing rooms are kind of just the capper. If you're not one of the more physically capable kids, it's just one test you're going to fail after one social yeah. test you're going to fail if you don't another. like pe if you don't like certain sports if you're if you get picked on anyway you know you're you're not exceeding at something the fact that that you might also be i don't know pigeon chested or you haven't got hair under your armpits yet or stuff like that you know it's just another thing to stack on top of it isn't it mm. it's like a bear pit yeah i mean you've just been picked last for every single game you've played maybe and there's also this weird thing that hadn't really occurred to me before, but in most schools, I think you do all of your classes, you go off to your classes and you're split up into groups, your year is split up into groups, and you get to sit in roughly the same place every time so you can avoid the people you have problems with like the bullies or the people you know the people who aren't very nice to you or whatever or the people who make you feel insecure um but games i think normally you find it's like the whole year is all in at once or it seems like the group's yeah. bigger it's just a nightmare the whole the whole pe thing i think it should be outlawed i don't think i'm gonna send noah to school i think i'm gonna homeschool him <laughs> We've spoken a lot about, and I think quite rightly, I think we've spoken a lot about the public spaces. I think private spaces are another matter. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, there are specific circumstances in private environments where it would be perfectly fine. There's an interesting area, or there's an interesting line, perhaps, in the exchange of someone's nudity for an income, whether it's something perhaps more innocent or artistic for example someone uh, making a little money on the side being a model for life drawing classes mm -hmm. or something like that before i go any further on on the other things that kind of roll into this actually i went to the further education college and so i was only a few months into being 16 and only a couple of months out of school and within the first couple of weeks, you know, there's a group of 15 to 20, 16-year-olds in their first life-drawing class. And, of course, there's going to be someone naked in front of you. There were different, obviously different people during the course of the year. There was a couple of different women, one, I guess, 20s or 30s, another in her 50s. There was a man as well. And, of course, it's a real interesting challenge for a whole bunch of teenagers who had still had a lot of growing up to do to be confronted by a naked person. 
makes sense, of course. You know, you're studying the human form, you're learning about anatomy, you're trying to develop a personal artistic style and drawing what you see. It's a long-term practice in terms of art to represent the naked human form. But there is that moment, of course, where you have to do it for the first time especially at that sort of age as well, you're conv- the, the urge is to giggle because you're embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. oh God, a penis or a boob or a muff. Uh, <laughs> you feel embarrassed, you feel awkward, you giggle because you're awkward and because it's a bit rude. You're also being asked to be respectful and mature about it and you have to kind of, it's you know, it's a trial by fire in a way. You really mm-hmm. have to get over that really quick and some people would not, you know, they wouldn't draw the penis or stuff like that because they wouldn't want to be seen to be looking. But you kind of just have to take that on. That is a mm-hmm. circumstance in which you don't miss anything out. That wasn't something I wanted to linger on, but it does come up because, of course, people um, don't become life drawing models for free. There is a reason for it. But there are other circumstances. Some of these are artistic, and it does, I guess, in some respects, cross the line into being nude for art. But also, I guess, a lot of this is more sexualized, isn't it? In terms of certain artistic exploits, there is an artistic purpose. But there is as much often, you know, a sex scene in a, in a movie where it's there for titillation, for heightened interest, as mm. much as it is for story progression. But also the blurred lines. Oh, God, sorry. We shouldn't have used that <laughs> phrase. Trigger warning. Um, but before you get to pornography, obviously, you've got erotica. And before that, you've kind of got this page three nuts magazine, loaded magazine, kind of semi-porn, but not quite sort of thing happening. And that's kind of pertinent in a way, because, of course, it was only yesterday that nuts magazine had announced that that was it. They were done. They folded front, which I actually quite liked, folded a little while ago. I think they struggled more as part of, you know, the magazine industry struggling. And I imagine they were hit a little bit harder by sites like Tumblr. And you don't really need to go to magazines to find naked pictures anymore. And actually, there are lots of women who are actually kind of cutting out the middleman. Oh, I say lots, maybe not that many, but there are plenty of women kind of cutting out the middleman uh, or the middle person who is almost always a man of publishing by becoming cam girls or taking photos of themselves and other female models and selling them somehow on the internet through one business model or another. You're right, it's it's kind of what the glam... I hesitate to say glamour industry because I don't really know what the connotations of it are. It drifts into porn, I think, a little bit when you get webcams and cam girls and stuff like that. But at, at its core, it's about being naked. The, the, the whole cam girl thing is unusual because there's definitely... In, in a lot of cases, there's a sexual element to it as well, like an actual sexual element, not just the suggestive, I am naked and thrusting in front of you, therefore you are thinking about sex sort of the thing. I'm getting very hot under the collar. <laughs> it's a quite a wide spectrum because, you know, burlesque and exotic dancing and stuff it does rest more in art than in anything else. You know, erotica itself it isn't seen as pornography, some minds confuse it, I think. You can put a very convincing argument forward that you can present the human form in a stimulating manner, but it not be entirely for the purpose of an individual's sexual gratification, that you are looking at the human form and you want to discuss its sexuality. There, again, are grey areas for some people because it's based on their own personal interpretations and what they find offensive. If we accept that really you should be able to feel free to do whatever you want in terms of your body, as long as you're not breaking the social contract of not imposing yourself on other people, Mm. you know, and we also accept that people have a right to make a living because we're a capitalist society. We're not that we're not free we're not just going to split the resources evenly between the lot of us and the, do you know what i mean we we live in this capitalist society one way or another yeah um, and people have to make a living somehow then yeah it's fine isn't it they, they can do what they want can't they they're not imposing themselves on anybody because there's consent there 
if you turned up at a strip club and started yelling scripture at the people who were dancing for you because they're filthy harlots <laughs> giving you dirty thoughts, well, you kind of had to choose to go in there in the first place. They're not doing it on the street. Um, the problem all becomes then about patriarchy, doesn't it? Which is completely outside of this, the... the um, there's whether or not people are doing it because they've got a choice. You know, so the, the nude models for art, they sit outside of that because there's not supposed to be a sexual component to it, really. No. Although that's a that's a hilarious trope that I have a lot of trouble with. I could neither be a model or draw an attractive model. I would struggle with both of those things equally for roughly the same reason, actually, thinking about it. But in terms of, uh, in terms of the whole sex industry or nudity industry or whatever you want to call it, um, people call it the sex industry, don't they? They don't call it the nudity industry. I'm an idiot. For me, the issue becomes about whether or not it's all about men, actually. It's not about women being naked. It's all about men getting what they want. I think that there have been points in history where that's definitely what it's been or all been about. But now I kind of figure if people have worked out a way to make money out of doing something that they don't hate and they're not hurting anyone, it's fine, isn't it? It's all right. I lived in a flat by myself, a studio flat by myself. I probably spent a lot of time naked in that flat. I try not to think too much about it, because it was a long time ago and I was at a pretty low ebb. And if I was naked, I probably spent a lot of time with whatever I'd last eaten just strewn around my face as well, watching 24-hour coverage of the World Trade Centre coming down. (sighs) You need to get me out of this hole, Steve. (laughs) No, just seeing how far it goes, to be honest. There you are, lying on your bed, covered in spaghetti bolognese, watching BBC uh, News 24 at about three o'clock in the morning, making your own small tower in memory of the two that had collapsed. Looking back at that particular day, there are two different images I have of myself crashing into each other because on the one hand, I know that I spent a lot of time really stressed out. I spent, uh, I think, a lot, not unlike a lot of people, I spent a lot of time stressed out, constantly looking at footage and news trying to find out anything as if we could do anything about it but i also know if i'm left on my own in a space for more than a couple of hours and there's no chance of anyone else being around i'm probably going to masturbate at some point and i don't think i could possibly have masturbated during that day but now i'm not sure You're just leaving, leaving me to see how far I'll go, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. I don't have much to say, really, so I'm just seeing where it goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, the mists of time have clouded that memory, probably for your own protection. Yeah, I like to think I'm not the sort of person who could, who could do that during such a tragic time, but God, I don't know. You surprise yourself, don't you? Well, I surprise myself, don't I? Uh, sorry if I took it in odd directions. It's just, uh, it, it turns out nakedness is something I think about quite a lot. Well, it would appear so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I was talking about with the World Trade Center thing. I, 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 thought, I thought for a minute that that was going to be a, a, a hilarious or interesting juxtaposition, and then I realized it was just about me wanking while 5,000 people or 3,000 people or whatever the number was died. I can't wring the humour out of that. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, you know, maybe maybe you were making a value judgment. It's like, well, you know, if um, the cruel hand of fate can remove 5,000 living things from this world, I can at least put that in context by wasting several million potential lives hmm. um, into a sock or tissue um and feel better about it remove some of the pain by using my own cruel hand of fate (laughs) (laughs) good old righty (laughs) Uh. (laughs) and sometimes numb lefty (laughs) oh god i want to go see my wife (laughs) 